0: Hello, action takers. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have authentic conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help us get the scoop, the 411, and the lowdown on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping achieve bliss through awareness and action. Thanks for joining me. This episode is not intended for children. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Want to save yourself that trip to the market? Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Receive free delivery on your first order over $35. Just follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know I sent you and help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. Here's our listener spotlight from Dana in Colorado. Live Blissed Out is a breath of fresh insight. What a great podcast. I love the variety of topics for both business owners and consumers alike. It's a great way to find out all kinds of practical tips and inspiration you need for your best life. I highly recommend it. So glad you're enjoying the podcast, Dana. Thanks for listening, following, and sharing. This is episode 22. Want to learn how to prepare for baby? We'll talk about that. My guest is Rochelle Gershkovich, CEO of Maternal Instincts, LLC. With nearly a decade of service through Maternal Instincts, Rochelle's goal is to end sleep deprivation for babies and parents and to make parenthood a more restful, harmonious, and loving experience. She covers sleep training and infant care herself and from her personally trained and certified staff. She and her staff stay with families in their homes and together they tailor their sleep training approach for each baby and family. For more information, visit her website at maternalinc.com. Hi Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. How are you? I'm great. So happy to be talking to you today. I'm really excited today. This is a fun topic for me. So I'm Jazz.
0: Well, I'm eager to learn from you, I tell you. I'm sure you're going to teach me a lot of things today. So I wanted to talk to you about the fact that parents these days, they read books, they try to plan, they're preparing for baby, they're doing their best, but at the end of the day, they think they're ready, and then when baby comes, they realize that they're not as ready as they thought. And so I wanted to start out in the very beginning, which is talking about what parents might need to prepare for baby. And usually, they will tell all their friends that they need certain items, and they'll start up a registry, but I find that there are things that they're ordering from the registry that might not be the ideal items. And so I wanted your take on what they should be thinking about when they prepare for the registry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to the registry, a lot of times we get caught up on physical things that could be purchased, you know, a stroller, a car seat, the crib, things like that. And then once you get past those big items, you start to just add in extra little things like clothes, nail clippers, bathing tools, things like that. But what we're missing in the biggest component of your registry is your postpartum support, making sure that when you come home from the hospital, you actually have meals that are prepared or you have lactation services already set up or you possibly have a doula or a newborn care specialist coming to the home and helping guide you and teach you what to do with this little baby because when your family wants to come together and support you they really want to make sure that you're successful and sometimes the cute little bows and the outfits aren't what's going to make you successful the guidance and the support in this time frame that you feel a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit unsure of exactly what to do with this new little peanut that's come into your home.
0: I can imagine because if you're a new parent, it might be super scary because you're not really sure what you should be doing. So what are some of the things that they should be thinking about specifically in the registry that they can tell people, hey, I'd like to have this as part of my shower or gifting or whatever so that when baby comes, I feel like I have more support.
1: So I think one of the big things that they should consider are some services. One would be setting up either a meal train or having meals delivered. Another one would be lactation support, which on most insurances are covered six to eight visits of lactation. So just organizing, having that set up, that's more of finding somebody within your team that's organized that can help you make sure that your appointments are scheduled. And that's these acts of service, which go much further than buying a certain item. And then when they do want to financially contribute and they want to add to a registry on a financial level, then they can add in to the actual postpartum service, which would be something like the doula or the night nanny. And those people will come into your home and they spend four to six hours with you and they guide you through how to lay your baby down, how to get your baby to sleep, how to make sure that you're doing diaper changes most efficiently and skin to skin care and bathing. It's just this hands-on guidance that really a first-time parent is completely clueless with and kind of scared. They're a little bit overwhelmed.
0: I can only imagine and I never even thought of that because we all get invited to baby showers and the first thing we think of is go to the store and buy a blanket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. you know, and we never really think about all the other levels of support that a new parent needs.
1: Yeah, and they end up with 15 blankets and they just wrap them around themselves and they cry because honestly, the postpartum time is just a very, very emotional space. There's such a high level of love. You feel this extreme endorphins of love and euphoria and it's fantastic. And then you feel extreme emotions of, you know, kind of fear and overwhelmed, you and your partner not knowing what to do. So that's baby stuff and that's service. But for mama and dad, they should make sure that they also have some support set up for them. People are not very comfortable talking about how a mom is going to come home from the first days from the hospital and really be honest with her what's going to happen. We always talk about birth and we talk about pregnancy, but we don't talk about the nitty gritty of postpartum. And she's going to come home in a pretty exhausted space. She's going to recover from from her birth. She's going to have sore body parts and she's going to need to make sure that she has a comfortable space and she has all of her feminine hygiene products ready to go because she's going to need all of those things in her recovery as well. I usually, one of my greatest tips that I always give is to turn the nightstand into a mini refrigerator because then you can put all of your snacks and food there. You can put all of your baby items on the top, maybe some diapers, maybe some nipple cream, but you don't have to get in and out of bed because technically you should be sitting down in healing. The more you get up and you move around, the more you disrupt your healing and you make process longer.
0: And how long does mom need to heal? Is there a specific time frame? Is that a two-week period or generally speaking?
1: So she's going to gauge her healing on her bleeding. Postpartum, she's going to have menstrual blood that is going to tell her how long she is still healing that space in her uterus where the placenta was. And so as long as that blood is reducing and it's coming down, it takes at least three weeks. But she's going to feel really, really good by week two. She's going to have this energy. She's going to be on this birth high. She's like, oh my gosh I don't even feel sleep derived because it's all of this adrenaline from birth and then week three will hit you kind of like a freight train it is just so rough by week three because sleep deprivation hits in the pain from your birth is more noticeable and you um, you might have overdone yourself in week two because you're feeling good and then you're feeling really exhausted by week three you're also detoxing a lot of hormones so you're gonna have night sweat you're gonna have this really uncomfortable sensation of crying and then happy and then you know the, the hormones need to come back down to breastfeeding hormones, not pregnancy hormones, which are a little bit lower. And then eventually after breastfeeding, we get back down to pre-pregnancy hormones. But that detoxing of hormones can only come out through sweat, tears, or pee. So you can only, you've got to liquid them out. So you sweat a lot and it feels very uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't talk about this sweating.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't talk about this stuff because again, I think the easy thing to do is to just say, hey, you know, baby needs clothes, baby needs a bottle, just all the physical things. and then let's throw a party and let's celebrate. And it's just so easy. And I think this is kind of uncomfortable. And so, yeah, it's kind of a hidden thing, right? We just don't talk about it. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you because it's one of those things where this is a safe space for us to share with people exactly what they should be aware of, what they should be thinking about so that we can do a better job too in supporting our loved ones when they're preparing for baby.
1: Right. And so that little mini fridge is very helpful. And if both the parents can dedicate some time to just trying to stay in bed and just try to relax. Any extra services, even house cleaning services to take care of the home, because that's not where your recovery is going to be at. You shouldn't be running around the house and you definitely shouldn't be hosting. So if there's somebody who is going to come to the home, a visitor, a family member, they need to be the helpful one, not the ones who you are serving tea to. Like you cannot bring your friend over to have them hold the baby and you're serving them a cup of tea or a soda or whatever it is that they're wanting. But You need the friend who comes over, rolls up their sleeves, does a load of dishes without being asked because that's truly the most helpful at that time. Holding the baby is the easiest part of the job.
0: So giving through service would be really appreciated based on what you're saying. Absolutely. So let's talk about layout then. Okay, so we know all this now and mom is home with the baby and she's going to her nursery. How should that look for her so that it's efficient, so that she can feel comfortable in that space with the baby and be able to access all the things that she needs?
1: So the first sleeping space should be one that is a flat surface. And I typically go for one that's portable, something like a bassinet, because it can stay in your room and you can take it to nursery. But in the first at least six weeks, you have multiple nighttime feedings. So it's very difficult to walk down the hallway to go to a nursery and do feeding sessions in the nursery and then come back to your bed. It's also recommended from the American Academy of Pediatrics that we keep babies within arm's reach. So we want to keep them close by us in the beginning. So I always say make sure. Sure that you have a sleeping space that's very comfortable in your room that's safe for baby. So a bassinet would be an item for that. And then for the nursery layout, you want to make sure that the crib is not near the window. A lot of times just depending on the layout of the room, we tend to put the cribs by the window, but that has a lot of excess light and sometimes unregulated temperature. you know, windows sometimes have a draft and we can't stay within that safe sleep temperature, which is 69 to 72 degrees. So you want to put your crib on one of your walls that hopefully doesn't have a window and then make sure that the lighting in the nursery is set up for nighttime sleep. So a lot of the little gadgets we purchase like a humidifier or a sound machine or a nightlight, they all have blue or green light. And those are very disruptive to the circadian rhythms for you and baby. So both of you are gonna become much more awake for a nighttime feed if the lighting system that you're using is blue or green. So what you'd want to use is red. Red light is what you can use at nighttime to not disrupt your sleep cycles and to not turn your brain completely on to hello, it's morning time and babies live off of that circadian rhythm understanding of sleep and then your changing station itself should have a very, very easy flow. If you have the changing pad next to it should be your diapers and creams and right beyond that should be your diaper pail, whatever you use for disposing of your dirty diapers but there should be this nice sequence because when a blowout diaper happens, it happens very fast and it shoots across the room and you have to be within in one little quick reach of your arm, you should be able to grab wipes or grab your diaper and clean up as quick as possible. Because if you have your diaper pail across the room, you're going to end up moving around and causing too much chaos when you're trying to get something done quickly.
0: So essentially as close to the door as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. Or as close to the big garbage can outside the house as possible, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of diapers you're going to go through. So there's different diaper pails you can purchase. You can use just a trash can or you can use one of the baby diaper pails that closes so it holds in some of the smell. Rule of thumb for me is that you just change the diaper pail once a day. So you throw out any of the diapers used that day.
0: So as long as you keep up with that, then you'll be able to keep the space clean best as you can.
1: Right. And when it comes to babies' bowel movements, breast milk babies, they have a little bit less of an odor in their bowel movement and formula. The babies have a little bit more because there's some iron in formulas so there's a little bit more of an odor but it's not very stinky to be honest it's it's not this horrible smell it's just the amount of diapers that accumulate over the day.
0: So you mentioned that in the beginning, you definitely want to have the baby in arm's length. At what point do you feel it's ideal for them to now move full time into the nursery?
1: So American Academy of Pediatrics says six months, but I say that we need to be passionate with our parents. We need to be caring about what their sleep situation looks like. So I personally do sleep training nationwide. I help parents all over helping their baby sleep through the night. And one thing that I always talk about parents with them is what does it feel like to have your baby in the room with you? Do you wake up to all of the noises? Are you sleeping peacefully? Is it very difficult? Because there's a lot of parents who cannot sleep through the noise of babies. Everybody thinks that babies are quiet and sleep peacefully. They are not. They're very, very loud. They make a lot of grunting noises. They move around quite a bit. And so every time they make an adjustment or grunt or move, you're jumping up and running over to look at them. You're not sleeping and you're very quickly going to spiral downhill. And that's not a good place to be either. So I would say that try to come up with a comfortable situation for your family, knowing that in the very beginning, you're doing three to four feeds in the nighttime. So closer proximity is important. By eight weeks old, they're going to start reducing their feeds down to about two times per night. And so anything from 12 weeks and beyond where you're down to almost one feed a night, you can start deciding where to figure out the sleep space, if it should be in the room with you or if it should be in the nursery. But following safe sleep practices is important. And then following family sleep, health is also important.
0: I can imagine because it's like anything else. If they're not feeling good, if they're not energetic and they don't have enough rest, they're not going to be able to take care of baby in the best possible way. So it's important that everybody gets sleep, which leads me to the question of, Could you share how that looks like? How do we organize sleep so that everybody gets the sleep that they need and so that baby and
1: parents are all happy? Absolutely. Sleep is the number one most important factor with your postpartum. Mom's milk, will be at a higher production when she's sleeping, her recovery will be faster when she's sleeping, and she has a much lower chance for postpartum mood disorders when she's sleeping. So right from the beginning, my first set up for any family is to make sure that we have a shift schedule. If you don't have the opportunity to have a grandma or a newborn care specialist or night nanny come into your home and help you, then you need to make sure that you and your partner are doing shifts. So one of you can take four to five hours and the other one four to five hours, but each of you can go through a sleep cycle without feeling like you're just exhausted and you're losing all of your night because if both of you are getting up for every single feed and both of you are helping each other out to try to support each other, neither one of you are getting enough sleep. Let me give you an example of what the first feeds look like. We always count feeds from the beginning of a feed to the next beginning of a feed. So Midnight is your feed. The feed itself, especially under three weeks old, takes about 45 minutes. And then you have a diaper changing session. And that takes, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes. And then you need to hold your baby upright for another five to 10 minutes to make sure that the milk stays down and they don't have any reflex or GERD. So you're going to hold on to them. That's about an hour and 15 minutes at this point in time. And they need to eat again by two hours. So that's just 2 a.m. That's only 45 minutes to sleep. And when you put that into perspective, nobody can survive off of 45 minute naps. So I like to do a shift schedule between parents. And then I like to say, if somebody is coming in to give you any type of help, it needs to be that you tuck away and you go try to take a four hour nap. A four hour nap will get you through all of your sleep cycles and REM sleep. So you'll wake up feeling completely refreshed. You'll feel like a new person. You're gonna have more cognitive clarity and you're not gonna be so groggy. So whoever is most comfortable staying up later, if she can do the first shift of the nighttime, if she went from 9 p.m. until let's say 2 a.m. and she went all the way five hours and then dad can take over from 2 a.m. and stay all the way till 7 a.m., then they each get a really great chunk of sleep without feeling like they've had no sleep that nighttime. They each can kind of balance each other out.
0: I cannot believe how much I learned from this conversation. (laughs) Everything from figuring out what we should be doing to help support the people that are expecting a baby in a less traditional way than what we're used to, all the way up to sleeping, which I never even thought about because yes, we do hear that parents struggle with sleep when they have a baby, but you never realize how much there is to consider and sometimes we even give up and say, well, this is just the way it is. And there's actually a process and things that can be done. And there's also people like you to support people with that exact problem. And so I cannot thank you enough for being on the show, Rochelle. It's been so educational. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Rochelle Gershkovich for being my guest. If you find value in our show, Please visit LiveblistOut.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.